Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe is directly across from me. On the mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I'd like for... to say good morning to you. Introduce me. I would at least like to express the fact that I'm grateful for the introduction. All right. You're, you're chewing up valuable time <laughs> here. Uh, we're going to start out with the lines on hold. Initially, we have a guest in the studio. So when, on the second half of this half hour, we'll open up the phone lines. But in the meantime, you can send us an email at onthemark at wkok.com, and you can text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. We welcome State Senator Gene Yaw, back to our studios. I always list you as being in Loyal Sock Township. Still true? Yes. Good morning. Haven't moved out of the district yet? No. And uh, State Senator, 23rd District up in Williamsport. Did you ever go hunting anymore? I know you used to hunt when I talked to you 20 uh, years it's ago. It's been years since I've hunted now. I, I just, I don't know, too busy. Don't right. like to get cold. <laughs> oh, well, then, yeah, then. <laughs> uh, actually, this fall's been pretty nice, but it has uh, been. Previous well, actually, you still have all of Union County, don't you, Gene? Yes, I okay, have all I thought, of Union I County. I thought so. Right, so he is the state senator, one of the state senators uh, from around here. You're losing one of your peers. John Gordner is uh, moving on. Just a quick thought about that, that change. Plus, you're going to have a new individual up the hall as well. Uh, I hate to see John go. He was the senior person in the in the Senate, but uh, uh, I understand uh, you know his rationale. He said he was not going to run again. He had two more years on his current term. He uh, did not plan to run again, and there was an opportunity came up, which is pretty special and you know, maybe once in a lifetime type thing that he thought that he would be interested in doing. So. Congratulations to him. Everything fit together. Well, on the other hand, another person leaving office is our governor, and he said in the news stories this morning that he has no regrets. <laughs> and I gather you have no regrets that he's leaving either. Right? Uh, <laughs> goodbye. Good no, luck. No, I'm out. not sure we accomplished a whole lot that uh, over the the past uh, eight years. Um, I mean, I, look, I, I, I don't have anything really bad to say about him. We, we've we had some programs that we've worked on together, and he's been supportive, but uh, uh, I just think that there are many, many other things that could have been done here in Pennsylvania, and uh, I just get frustrated. I, I, you know, especially when it comes to energy, I, I know you, you're you aware of that, but um, Pennsylvania is uh, one of the uh, energy-rich states, maybe the most energy-rich states in the United States. And and all I was looking for is a cheerleader for Pennsylvania to say, hey, here's what we are, here's what we have. We've got this diverse energy portfolio. And, you know, stop apologizing for it. 
I, you know, it's like, okay, I'm sorry if you're from some state that doesn't have what we have. Well, come to Pennsylvania or stop complaining. And this cockamamie Reggie on hold for now, or what's the status Thank of God. that? Yeah, that's on hold <laughs> through, through court fights, though, not dead because of uh, No, policy. you're right. It's true, and it's something. I'm a, one of the named plaintiffs in that case, and so far we've been able to uh, block it from going through. And uh, uh, Governor-elect Shapiro has said uh, he's, he's talked about it several times. I'm just I'm not quite sure where he is. He, uh, one comment that he made was uh, he does not like Reggie. Uh, but then it says in its current form, so I'm not quite sure what that. Well, that means you're supposed to get back to work, even though you thought you had some uh, pretty good maybe, legislation. Maybe I don't know. Uh, you know, I think that uh, I've worked with uh, uh, Josh Shapiro and some of the things that we've done, especially in the area of opioids. Um, and he's uh, actually this year, earlier this year, we had a. Uh, 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 a, a, a seminar type uh, event or a hearing and he was one of the presenters and he was very easy to work with and uh, very cooperative. So well, he talks like he is going to work with you. He's going to work, of course, he'll work with the Democratic House if that's how that uh, falls together as you would expect, but he's he claims he's interested in good government no matter who is in the legislature and of course from his administration. And I see that he's bringing a lot of his current staff over, so if you're familiar with the people he had in his office, you're going to be familiar with the staff he has as governor. He has, uh, is my understanding, and and his transition team has uh, a lot of um, people that were involved in the Rendell administration, and there's also some from the Corbett administration. So, I, I mean, all the signals are out there that uh, perhaps it will be uh, a real bipartisan type uh, setting where we can say, hey, what's best for, for Pennsylvania? What do you think is, Mark brought it up, what do you think is going to happen with the House? I mean, the Republicans are going to be in the majority <laughs> when you reorganize, but then they might be in the minority a couple of weeks later after a few uh, special elections. I have no idea. We we have talked about it, and and it, it's it's one of those things. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we could end up having a, a, a speaker of the house, different one every month, I guess. <laughs> and people are running around saying, "Well, you know, let let's look, see who died, or who's going to resign, or what's <laughs> happening." And uh, uh, you know, one person, one way or the other, in a special election, is going to tip the balance one way or the other. Do you think the Senate can work with a democratically controlled House and a Democrat well, governor to produce anything meaningful? If you go back to when I first went in the Senate, that's exactly the way it was. Uh, we had a Republican Senate, Dem Democratic uh, uh, House, and Democratic governor. So it kind of this is deja vu all over <laughs> again. We're back to what it was when I first went in the Senate. So yeah, I think that we can. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't mean this to be uh, uh, facetious or anything, but Governor Rendell always had the reputation of like, okay, let's make a deal. 
<laughs> well, you you remember yeah. he came up here and we had a meeting at the the Chamber of Commerce about uh, uh, the CSVT. But was it sixty million dollars? He was going to flex sixty, 60, million, 60 million. I think. It, and I thought, oh my, this guy is so. <laughs> and then it, it, things didn't fit together, so he repurposed it. Yeah, <laughs> we never did get the sixty million. No, it, but he, uh, it, you know, he had the reputation of let's make a deal. You want something, I want something. Let's sit down and talk about it. So, and actually, I think that that's the way that our government is designed to work. You think Josh will do that? Well, the indications are right now is that's what he's saying. He's willing to work and to talk. I always admired Governor Rendell. He, you're, you're supposed to have a balanced budget in Harrisburg each year, and he came up with the most creative ways to borrow money and bond issues and come up with money that from our grandchildren the same way. Well, as they any didn't other call government. him Fast Eddie for nothing. Right. So, <laughs> uh, over in the Senate, or I'm sorry, over in the House, there's a Freedom Caucus. Why didn't you initiate a Senate Freedom Caucus? Hello? <laughs> I, I'm getting those missile eyes. Like, why are you even asking me? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I think that, you know, they have a uh, very, very super conservative orientation, which is just the opposite of what we just talked about, compromise. Um, you know, I don't know that much about really other than to say that they're very principled and that I understand that. But... I think in order to be a participant in our government, you have to learn to compromise. I, I mean, I'm not saying you give up your principles, but you, you you can't demonize the other people or uh, the Democrats, and it is what they're what we're talking about, and then turn around and say, oh, by the way, I need your help on something. <laughs> you just can't do that. Uh, you know, it's the same way I'd say the same thing to uh, the Democrats. You can't demonize all Republicans and then turn around and say, hey, let's work together. I need some help on something. Yeah, that's I, a good point. I, I, so I think that, you know, I just, I'm, I'm probably part of a dying breed, and I've talked to some people, some Democratic friends of mine that, that, that say that, you know, a moderate in anything, a moderate Republican or a moderate Democrat, or unfortunately, that's uh, not what it, what it used to be. Let's talk about politics for a minute and the elephant in the room. Uh, we uh, nominated a Republican named Doug Mastriano for governor, who probably should not have been nominated if, you, if the party was serious about winning. But Donald Trump's influence on Republican politics in Pennsylvania, Gene, where do you see it going? I mean, is there are we wedded to him? Do you think that the poor performance of uh, Mastriano in the governor's race will, will lead the Republican Party to rethink its strategy? Well, if they don't rethink the strategy, we're doomed to lose. I, I, I mean, it, it, Pennsylvania, it, Republicans in Pennsylvania can't win a statewide race without Democrats and independent support. I mean, that, that's the numbers. You just can't. So it, I go back to the idea that I just said a little bit ago. You can't demonize these people. And, you know, Trump uh, supporters, unfortunately, have enough to get somebody through the primary, but they're not going to get them through the general election. And so a lot of people have been saying that, that the only way that the Republican Party is going to survive is to find a way to distance themselves from Trump. 
And I, you know, look at look at what happened uh, yesterday yeah. in Georgia. Um, you know, I and I and it happened in Pennsylvania with Oz. Happened with Mastriano. I I think that unfortunately that's what has to happen. Yeah, the funny thing is the Democrats are just as disorganized and have as little strategy as Republicans, but th- they have the support right now of people, and I and I think some tough candidates may may have hurt them. Dr. Oz, of course, brought baggage uh, to Pennsylvania when he came here, and Doug Mastriano, of course, was viewed as so extreme. Uh, we can't go through it point by point, but the last legislative session, there was a flurry of bills and activities at the end of the session. Any highlights, anything stand out in the flurry of activities? at the end of each session this past year uh, that uh, sort of jumps out at you? Well, for me, yes. Uh, it, it's one of the things I went back to say that, you know, I've gotten along on some issues with Governor Wolf. Uh, we had a, a, a significant uh, clean water fund, uh, which was part of the budget bill at, at the end. Um, it was something I went to leadership about almost two years ago, I think it is now, and said, look, we need to address the problems with water uh, here in Pennsylvania, and especially as it relates to the Chesapeake Bay. But I want to divorce it from the Bay by just saying, if we clean up our water here in Pennsylvania, then we don't have to worry about what happens downstream. It'll take care of itself. And I asked for, I said, we need $250 million. And nobody laughed, so, which I thought that was a good sign. <laughs> That's a good story. <laughs> you know, so it, actually, make a long story short, what happened in this year's budget, we actually got $220 million. Of that, 70%, which is $154 million, is dedicated to a program called uh, uh, Agriculture um, uh, in, in you know, Ag Conservation Assistance Plan. It's like uh, RCAP for farmers. And it, it's oriented towards helping them uh, improve st- stream banks, riparian buffers, plant trees, grass, keep animals out of the streams, and, and that, that, that's a huge uh, detriment to the quality of water going downstream. Um, and we were successful in that. We, not, you know, that's part of the budget. So we're implementing that right now. Uh, we rewrote the fertilizer bill, which the the governor approved. It was the first time in almost 60 years that we've done anything with fertilizer. Um, and the governor signed that bill of mine. Uh, which so, you know, I had one bill which I thought was a great bill, and it got through the House and the Senate, and. The governor vetoed it too, so I didn't, you know, have a perfect. <laughs> the governor giveth and the governor taketh. Yes, away. he did. Yeah, you're he mostly taketh right. away. He, he, you're, you're right about that during well, your tenure. Out of curiosity, you mentioned um, uh, things at the end of the session, and Mark asked you about things at the end of the session. But there was also a bill that came up. It passed in the House to not use leased vehicles for the House members, but it didn't come up in the Senate. You know, are there any reform measures you would support in terms of uh, making our government a little less expensive and a little more responsive? Well, it, it, sure. I, I mean, there there are thousands of bills that come before it's all the time. And it, here's what happens. At the end of the session, people introduce bills to 
satisfy their constituents and say, oh, yes, I, I, I'm working on that. Well, at the end, it, 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 it's like trade-off. Yeah, this bill gets traded for this bill, and the House says we want four bills for one of yours or whatever. I mean, literally, that's what happens. And, you know, I had other bills that, that, that I thought were great, uh, but they just didn't rise to the level of being important enough to be on the trading block, so to speak. So, um, but th that happens every session. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking to uh, State Senator Gene Yaw of the 23rd District. We're going to ask him about uh, maybe the other elephant. In the room. There's two elephants, the impeachment trial that uh, he gets to. Are you going to participate? You're, yeah, you're, you're a, a judge. A juror, right? A juror, right. Okay, so, yeah, you're going to be in that. So we'll talk a little bit about that uh, when we come back. If you have a question for Senator uh, Yaw, you can uh, call us at 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarkatwkok.com, and you can text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Well, Senator Yaw is with us, so we've opened up the phone lines. If you have a question for him, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com. Well, you, you brought something up I think we should pursue, and that is the uh, Philadelphia District Attorney Krasner and the impeachment effort. So what's Are that look excited? like? <laughs> <laughs> you have to do this. Uh, all I can say about it is uh, procedurally um, the House files the impeachment charges. And the Senate hears them, and uh, quite honestly, I mean, I'm, a, I'm basically a juror. Uh, we've already taken an oath, and so that's probably all I'm going to be able to say about it. Well, is this, one, but one is this an opportunity for you or a burden? Well, I mean, it's, it's it's part of the job. It's part of the Constitution, and I mean, it means we're going to spend more time in Harrisburg. Uh, it's something different as a lawyer. I mean, it, it, it's uh, uh, from that perspective and having the experience of participating in an impeachment uh, event, um, that's unique. What about Krasner's assertion that because the session ended that the process had to end? You'd buy that or not? I... Um, that's not my determination, really. Uh, there's going to be legal issues introduced on that. I'm sure there'll be lawsuits. It'll be up to the court to decide whether that's going to happen or not. 
I, I really can't say much much more than that about it. I, I was just curious. What is it? Uh, two thirds vote in the House, Senate that's required <laughs> to actually do the to, to per conviction. Two thirds. Yes. So, not likely to happen anyway, right? Well, well unless yeah. the the information is so egregious that even Democrats, Democrats, didn't some Democrats vote for the articles of impeachment? Do you happen to remember? For a man who just said, I'm not going to say anything more I about know, this. I know, we're asking him a lot of questions we about asking it. asking a lot of questions. No, I, I, I mean, I, I don't mind answering uh, questions about what other people did, what happened in the House. I think you're right. I think there were Democrats that voted for it in the House. Yeah, at least one anyway. But the broader issue, of course, is law and order and, and the fact that uh, crime has become rampant across the country. And the Republicans ran on that. Uh, unfortunately, abortion kind of got in the way of, of it from time to time. But how do you rate the top issues? What do you think you're going to be dealing with? Are you going to be dealing with some attempt to make abortion more uh, acceptable or legal in Pennsylvania? Are you going to be working on crime bills? What, what, do, you, what do you see coming up in the session? Well, from my perspective, I hope it's crime bills. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think that uh, the government should be involved in the, in the uh, abortion issue. I, uh, no, I, I, I just, that's something I don't agree with. Um, I guess I, it, look, I'm a male. So my feeling is that personally, I, uh, believe I'm pro-life personally, but also when it comes down to uh, what women can do, I don't think that I should be deciding what somebody else should, should do with their body. That's not, you know, that's not me. So, uh, but <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll channel our listeners who are saying, yeah, but the unborn baby, what about their rights? Can't you stand up for them in Harrisburg? Which I think you have. I think you are pro-life yeah. when it comes to it, right? That's correct. Okay. So that you have done that. All right. One of our listeners says, as long as you have them there, ask him my questions, please. Okay? <laughs> okay. Daylight saving time. Can the state legislature do anything to end daylight saving time? Or should it? No. Well, I guess should I be. think the move in, uh, I, I'm not sure whether this bill is still in the uh, uh, federal legislature or not. I think it is. Uh, that would do just the opposite. That would make daylight saving time permanent. Okay. But the state senate's not dealing with anything that you're familiar we with have at the not, moment. No. Would you? I guess would be the next question. No, I happen to like daylight saving time. I like more <laughs> daylight yep. at night. Yeah. That, yeah, that would be the one to switch to. All right, would you be interested in banning banning standard time? How about that? <laughs> well, how about we go back to double daylight saving time which was used during World War 2. Then we'd have lots of extra daylight for Eastern standard. Yeah. What is it? Wartime or what wartime? They called What's it wartime, but it was okay. actually double daylight saving time. All right. But anyway, okay, so that's not a hot issue. Uh, they also asked about Sunday hunting. Uh, there already is some Sunday hunting. Can the legislature yes. or Senate impose more? We could. Is it a good idea in your view, or have you boned up on this particular topic? Uh, I've talked to the uh, current chairman of that committee numerous times. I mean, he would expand. If it were up to him, he would expand Sunday hunting. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I, I haven't heard a lot of complaints in my office about it one way or the other. We used to hear uh, at, at a couple years ago before Sunday hunting started, it was like Sunday is the only day that people go outside of their house. I mean, I that was kind of the argument, and I haven't heard of any problems with it since uh, Sunday hunting was imposed. 
I heard some, quite honestly, some uh, businesses, I won't mention what, what kind of businesses, said, you know, it was a disaster when uh, uh, the first day of se- the deer season started on a Saturday mm-hmm. uh, because that was their best sale day of the year. And, you know, it was right after Black Friday. And that whole weekend, the people were getting ready to go to the hunting camp. Well, you know, okay, so there's Sunday hunting. Well, you can still yeah. do all those things. Well, they used to have Deer Lonely Ladies Day sales on the first day of deer season. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about those. You're right. I remember those. Yeah, they were they were fairly big for a time. I've got a question for you, a political question again. And, of course, uh, you are obviously interested in what happens in the Senate. Linda Culver has thrown her hat into the ring for the uh, seat of Senator Gordner. And in Snyder County, the former chairman of the Republican Party has thrown his hat into the ring. Does that indicate there's kind of a split or a problem in the Republican Party in the area? Um, I don't know about the, the Republican Party down in this area, uh, in Snyder, in, in, in uh, the 20, what, 25th 20, yeah. Senatorial District. I really don't know. Um, I knew and had heard all along that uh, Linda Culver, uh, if John Gordner ever decided to retire, that she intended to run for the seat. Um, and I also, my understanding was that Fred Keller supported her. Keller. So, yeah, that could be interesting. Right. Could so be very not, interesting. He's, he's not in that race yet either. And we're just about out of time. Anything to add? We didn't ask you. You work on so many different environmental issues where your name just pops up all over the time on the environmental blogs. Sometimes helpful, sometimes not. Or, <laughs> it, it, I mean, for the uh, tree huggers like myself, sometimes helpful, sometimes not. Anything well, to add? Well, you should be very happy then with what happened with the Clean Water Fund and all those things. I've I, I had more environmental success over the last few years than most people actually. Well, I'm 100% pleased with Governor Wolf's term. I think he vetoed the right bills most of the time and signed most of the right ones most of the time. Except my energy choice bill. That would have been excellent. I don't know why he vetoed that. Next year, Governor Shapiro. Oh, I'm definitely going to reintroduce it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming in. You're welcome. Thank Thank you. you. Good assistant. Matt's probably the good driver involved in bringing (laughs) Senator Yaw to our studios. You're listening to WKOK Sunbury. This is CBS News on the Hour, sponsored by... News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Like Greetings and welcome back to WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence on the mark sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please do as I've done on many occasions within the past 24 hours. Go to sunburymotors.com. Toll free line is open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at on the mark at WKOK.com and text us at 70236. Include the keyword. And o- that would be OTM, right? OTM. Yes, is. 
the key word. Thank you. Otum. Yeah. Is that a word? You said the key word. You mean a Otum. Yes, right. OTM. Uh, I'm told by our front office that our stream's not working, so uh, some folks oh, say no. they're joining us on the broadcast. They normally listen on either the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app or TuneIn or however they choose to listen to the live stream. And uh, But Kevin is working on it. He's trying to get the gerbils to run faster, and so as soon as he gets the <laughs> ham... Oh, he sent me a tech. They're hamsters, Mark. Work, hamsters. With, us. Work okay. with us here. Okay, thank you. Yeah, hamsters are faster than gerbils, so I, that's good. Well, who knew? <laughs> All right, now you know. But they, uh, that's what makes that old computer run. And so uh, Kevin's on it. So, yeah, we'll get the rest of the folks online here shortly as time goes on. What well, one of our listeners says, you guys got to clean up your act. <laughs> because our stream well, our has been down. pretty dirty for a long right. time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that fixing that computer is going to help. All right, we do have some brief news headlines, but we'll open up the phones. We would love to hear from you. Maybe something that Senator Yaw talked about. We didn't talk about it on air, but radar's dead for this legislative session, so Joe's going to have to uh, work on that. But the senator did say off mic that uh, he was learning more about it all the time, so including officer safety. So Joe's going to be authoring a letter that relates I specifically am. to. Uh, well, I would <laughs> if if Senator Yaw says he's not 100% formed on the officer safety aspect, the first thing I would do as an advocate is... He didn't say he wasn't informed on it. He said it was the first time anybody raised the issue with him. Right. So, okay. therefore, uh, yeah, so I would write a letter saying, yeah, thanks for your comment. Here's some information. So that, That's just me. All right. There's a reason you don't have radar yet, Joe. It's because you're not <laughs> writing letters. Well, I'll get right on that, Mark. Here's some brief news headlines. There's likely no county real estate tax increase once again in Northumberland County. County commissioners unanimously approved a preliminary budget during their public meeting Tuesday. It's scheduled to be finalized at the commissioner's December 27th public meeting. Uh, commissioner Chair Shikatano, Sam Shikatano, praised the department heads and other workers who held the line on the budget uh, during a tough economy. He said $86 million budget in Northumberland County. Sealands Grove residents likely to see a tax increase next year. At Monday night's borough council meeting, the board approved a tentative $1.8 million budget, $1.8 5 mil tax increase. They voted around a potential conflict of interest discussion. Marv Rudnitsky, a member of council, is the father of the REC president, Kelly Filer, but council voted to support the REC using some funds from the Gelnet Trust. Uh, dozens of people were at the meeting in support of that action. State Department of Agriculture says we've got some invasive species out there and we've got to do something about it. Agriculture Department Bureau of Plant Industry Director Ruth Welliver says the reestablishment of the Governor's Invasive Species Council has helped to manage the invasive species risk in PA. The Pennsylvania Invasive Species Council is championing the new concept known as PRISM. PRISM is Partnerships for Regional Invasive Species Management. And it's the logical next step forward to improve on rapid response, early detection of invasive species of all sorts in the Commonwealth. The Council also recently conducted the first statewide survey of the cost of damage caused by invasive species. Mark Sims, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Spotlight PA is reporting that Governor Tom Wolf entered office eight years ago as a champion of government transparency. Trouble is, he won't disclose how he spent $367,000 on lawyers. Over the past year and a half, Wolf's administration has blocked efforts by news organizations to publicly get to details about how that funding is spread. The governor is permitted under certain circumstances to keep a funding private that goes to legal strategies that the governor says are ongoing. 
All right. And finally, this is National Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day, remembering the more than 3,500 Americans who were killed or wounded during Japan's sneak attack on the U.S. naval base in Honolulu, Hawaii. In Actually, 19- it was around 2,400. Uh, well, this is 3,500 Americans killed or wounded. Oh, killed or wounded. Okay. Right. Yeah, they now got sticking to, to the dead. Yes, yeah, CBS adds that proviso okay. onto this. Lynn Hall's a history buff, too, on the other side of the glass. Our great producer happened in 1941, which is 81 years ago. Incidentally, CBS has an asterisk here. It says, by the way, Canada declared war on Japan within hours of the attack, even before the U.S. did. Thanks, neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Thanks, neighbor. Yeah, Do you know how many Japanese were killed? I told you the Japanese lost 129 of their soldiers or pilots or airmen or naval personnel during it. Okay. And, uh, Lynn, you've been following this in history. Oh, you, yeah. you read books about yeah. this. Oh, you're, yeah. you're a history buff. We Several. talked a, a little bit about that yesterday. <laughs> what, what is your interest in history? Just explain that real quick, and then I have some questions. I just always loved it because I, I could always remember facts better than I could remember, like, <laughs> math problems. So that's why I was a huge a huge person having to do with, you know, in the in the history portion of my my life so that's kind of like why I turned into a history buff okay your microphone <laughs> has a little bit of that fuzz in it so you make sure you hit that button harder oh okay there you go okay all now, right there we go now we can hear you just fine uh, afterward there were conversations about warnings that the u.s had mm-hmm. whatever came of that there were prosecutions or court martials yeah there were a couple of i think that uh i think joe is it was it admiral husband kimmel husband kimmel yes. yeah, he took the rap for yes it. he did yeah he took the rap for it but the um general i'm trying to remember the army general who lined all the planes up. He was more oh, worried about um, yes. sabotage than he was about an air attack. So he lined up all of our planes wing to wing. wing, to wing. <laughs> right. And that's why they basically got massacred when they just bombed him because they were wing to wing. So, yep. yeah. Now there were what? four or five battleships in Pearl Harbor at the time? I think there were five. I believe there there were five. Okay. Were they all sunk? No, no. No, not all of them. Only the Arizona. There was one other one that was badly damaged. Yeah, the Oklahoma. It was brought back, wasn't it? Yes, the the Oklahoma healed over, actually, and they had to get people out by uh, using using blowtorches out Mm -hmm. on the bottom. Um, But they did, and the Nevada, too, they actually repaired that. My father actually repaired the Nevada. Oh, did he? Yeah, he was a CB. That's right. Your father was... uh, in the in the armed services. Yeah. Yep. Well, maybe that piqued your interest. That's probably why too. <laughs> along the way as well. Can we, you imagine being trapped in an upside down oh, ship? Oh, I, yeah. I don't even oh. want to. Uh, that would have been absolutely awful. Scary during yes. an attack, and you can hear the rest of the attack going yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, in yeah. a limited, and in, not knowing what the battle was and whether anybody was ever going to come and get mm-hmm. you. And oh, sure. As it yeah. was, they did lose some. I mean, there were mm-hmm. some people trapped that they couldn't get out. Right. So. Right. Exactly. And it was sad because they would hear tapping oh, for days and yes. days later, and they. Couldn't get to them. Couldn't so. do a thing about it. Now, the US, U.S. was neutral mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. So it wasn't participating. Or no. uh, In what way were we involved in the war? We in were not way? involved. Well, we, we took the Japanese uh, scrap metal. We stopped selling them scrap metal. Right. We put an oil embargo on them. Yes. They basically had, what was it, like six months of uh, oil before they either had to give up China, right. which is what we wanted them to do to get out of China, Manchuria. Correct. Or they had to con- start a war. They chose to start they, a war. Yeah, they chose to 
chose to start the war instead. Yeah. And this yeah. precipitates the U.S. entrance in, in, into the war. Right. Just in a nutshell. Yeah, what, when you bomb us, we do tend to get we a little We do get a little off. upset. <laughs> it does make us a little upset. And what happens next? What's the first thing? What's the second thing? What does the U.S. do? Well, uh, Roosevelt, of course, came on made many media outlets, which was basically radio back then, right? So, yep. uh, And said the very next day, of course, his famous speech with a day that will live in infamy and, uh, you know, said from this moment on that we are in a state of war. Right. And, uh, and the so American people in their righteous might will win through exactly, to victory. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so. who, I always like that righteous might. Righteous might. <laughs> and who said this is the awakening of the... President Roosevelt. Okay. This is the awakening of the lion. No, I mean a Japanese. Oh, Yamamoto, wasn't oh, Yamamoto? it? Yes. Yeah. He was the. We got him though. We yeah, found we out where we, he was going. And we later shot him on down. in the war, we <laughs> shot his plane down. But he said, uh, you know, everybody was was rejoicing in Japan, saying it was a huge victory and everything. And he was one of the people who said, "I don't know about this. We've awakened the sleeping giant and filled him with a terrible resolve." Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. That's exactly what we did too. Indeed. Yamamoto lived in the United States. He was in the Japanese military. He did, yes. to Washington. So he knew the American people. He mm-hmm. knew knew us. He knew how we would react. And he knew that because he didn't get the aircraft carriers and because uh, Admiral Nagumo wouldn't launch the third strike, mm-hmm. which would have wiped out the oil reserves and the right. fields and the repair facilities, right. he knew that the victory was not going to work. He said, mm-hmm. for six months, I can run, I can, you know, pretty much create havoc. But after that... yeah. And then yeah. the massive repair effort of the battleships and so on. Describe that. To the, oh, that yeah, happens. that that it, it took a really, really long time. But uh, they were able to get lots of, well, I think, what, was it only two, Joe, that were really out of, yeah. well, the Arizona, of course. We, we never raised that. But um, there were there was another one, I believe. That was destroyed beyond that was, that they couldn't. Yeah, and I believe they leave part of it there as a memorial. Yeah, I, I, it's terrible to say, but the main thing was that they didn't get the aircraft carriers. They right. Were out. That was their main objective, and mm-hmm. they were out on maneuvers. So they used most of their bombs on what was there in Battleship Row. And then, of course, as Lynn reminded me earlier, the, the destroyer Ward actually uh-huh. sunk a Japanese submarine before the Japanese bombed. Right, correct. It was but outside the harbor. The worst thing is that we actually had a radar unit sitting on top of a mountain mm-hmm. in Hawaii and it, they went on duty at like or went off duty at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. and then shortly after 7 a.m. they saw this big blip there and they called and they thought oh no that's just a group of B-17s flying in from the states. From California. From California. Yeah they were expecting them so they're like oh that's okay let them come in. Yeah. Right. But had they known had they taken action had they had the radar really set up and functioning they would have realized what was coming in and maybe they could have done something to stop it. Be yeah. Defensively yeah. ready and get those some of those planes in the Right. Well, thank you both so much. You know, I, I have an interest in history, not a fascination like you do, but I just really think such a pivotal moment in American history. Everything changed after that. And so this is definitely one of but, those. But yeah, the people points. I feel sorry for, the two Japanese envoys. Uh, oh, <laughs> yes. They were sitting in Secretary of State Cordell Hull's office when Cordell Hull, they, they had like a, what was it, a 23-page uh, yeah. document that had to be translated. Had to be translated, type. yeah. But they yeah. told them not to you. They told the Japanese government, told them their people don't use any regular typist. This is secure. You got to find mm-hmm. somebody. So the person they got who could actually do it and decode it wasn't a very good typist. And so they were supposed to actually deliver this ultimatum to the United States right. before the attack. Right. So that it wouldn't have been a sneak attack. Right. We would have had a half an hour warning, mm-hmm. but didn't work out. No, nope. didn't didn't, didn't happen mm-hmm. that way. No, no. 
All right. Well, thank you guys for the glimpse of history and, and the nuances associated with that. We have one call coming and maybe on this particular topic. We're close enough to where we take our first break, so uh, we will do that. But if you have another observation related to Pearl Harbor, feel free. Today is the day. Uh, and uh, if not, we can get back into the contemporary issues of the day. President Trump's company now has one another uh, conviction behind them in addition to the guilty plea from the CFO of that company. So that's out there in the news. China's listening to what some of the people say easing COVID restrictions, so maybe that's another uh, victory for the uh, for the people. Right. Oh, we got two calls coming in now, so we'll, we'll answer those shortly. You're listening to News Radio 1070, WKOK Sunbury. Observations or questions or your opinion, call us 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemark at WKOK.com. Mm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections? Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6 30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the mm. out of auto repair. Yeah, Joe and I just kept talking about this off mic. Uh, fascinating topics about World War II and the Battle of Midway, which the U.S. was prepared for. Yes, we were, because okay. we, we decoded the Japanese uh, naval code, and we found out through a little trick. We told the, we thought it was Midway, or this, the intelligence people thought it was Midway. So they put a message out on the air, unencoded, un- just saying the Midway was having trouble with its water supply. And the Japanese code word, I think, had been something like A7 for the site where they were going to attack next. And so they sent out a, a notice, which we decoded, that says uh, A7 is having trouble with its water supply. Oh, wow. so, so they we, knew it was Midway. And they were already talking about attacking A7, right. wherever that was. And and that was know. that was their goal, their next big attack. And, of course, we were ready and waiting for them. Admiral Halsey was ready, Admiral Halsey, say. yes, he okay, was. there you go. All right, 1-800-795-9565. One of our listeners, when Senator Yaw was here, says, Senator Yaw, in an op-ed in the Daily Item, came out against the Constitutional Convention, and he claimed George Soros was supporting the Constitutional Convention in a U.S. Constitutional Convention. On Google, I find that George Soros opposes it. Where did he get the idea that Soros supported it? Well, we missed Senator <laughs> Yaw, and so we will send that message to his peeps. We'll get his answer. We'll read his answer I'm back sorry. on the radio. Yeah, they um, when the time refer comes to him as Gene Shaw. <laughs> right. He's not a supporter of uh, the idea of uh, Pennsylvania support. Supporting the Constitution. constitutional the convention, right, which is states. called the Convention of States. All right, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Eric, standing by. Another caller coming in. Hello, sir. You're on the mark. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. Been away for a while. Happy to be back in the region. Um, yeah, many things about uh, December seventh. Uh, a lot of the popular myths out there, um, and it, they were perpetuated after, right after the battle, because well, the United States has suffered a tremendous defeat. 
Uh, the Japanese then after that, of course, rolled across the whole Pacific. And, you know, up to that time, the United States had been focused on the war in Europe, of course, because, because that, that's where we fought the last war, right? So that's where the threat was. Well, there were some U-boat sinkings and so forth close by. And, and kind of the, the Pacific was thought to be safe. And, and to be honest, there was racism involved here. Uh, no one thought the Japanese could do anything. I mean, they were these little little guys, you know, with buck teeth and then thick glasses. You know, they were really portrayed as not being, you know, much of a threat. And then in six months' time, marched halfway across the Pacific and threatened, threatened California, actually. Yeah, um, what, did you ever see those old cartoons from World War II yeah, with sure, the Japanese? Sure, you know, <laughs> exactly. You know. And, um, but uh, we, we had many heroes, and I applaud all, all the heroes and all our veterans. I think they said today on the news that only one, only one actual person who was at Pearl Harbor was able to make it back for the, the uh, celebration today, and that just you know time marches on 80, 81 years, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, more on on the battle. Uh, there's three three of the um, uh, big battleships were not repaired. Uh, the Arizona obviously because it blew up, but then the these ships were aligned one outboard of another. So the Oklahoma and the West Virginia were outboard of the Maryland and Tennessee, and they became, they, they protected them from the torpedo hits. So they took all the torpedoes because they couldn't hit the other two because they were laying against the dock, right? So those two ended up taking the torpedo hits, and those are the ones that rolled over. You see those famous pictures of the bottoms of the ships mm-hmm. there, and they're trying to, you know, cut in to get the sailors out and so forth. So those were never repaired. Those were, were scrapped. But inboard of them, the Maryland and the Tennessee, they were they were repaired fairly quickly and, and then served served as uh, uh, ships. But again, they were older; they were built in the early twenties and so forth. They had those huge masks, you know, that, that went hundred feet in the air because before radar. And what you do is they send sailors up there on the top of them so they could view as far out to see over the horizon more than you could see from the ships. Uh, but and the Pennsylvania U.S. Pennsylvania was there too. It was in dry dock. It was a couple of bomb hits, but it was also one of the ones that ended up being re- redone and then fought in the Battle of I think Leyte Gulf, uh, and you know served. You know, but uh, yeah, fascinating. Uh, last thing because I know you have another caller, but uh, Admiral Kimmel, who's in charge of Pearl Harbor, and, uh, and General Short, who was in charge yeah, of right, the General Short, they they were they were uh, vilified afterwards, and I know Admiral Kimmel especially his 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 family really fought from after his death to say, look, he was kept in the dark on so much of the intelligence and so forth. And we've got to remember this. This was the United States just coming out of the Depression, where during the Depression, the, the amount of money that was given to the military was very sparse. So they weren't allowed to do training. They weren't allowed to. Every time you went on alert, it cost, of course, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get the, get the soldiers there, get all the ships out, send them out. You know, there was, there was economics involved here. And the fact that it was, you know, it was just, it had been 20 years or whatever since a war, and no one could believe that this could happen. And, but it did. Yeah. And of course, Admiral, Admiral Kimmel was vilified and, you know, you know took away from command and, and General Schwartz the same way. And then, His thought was, well, he had, what, 180 or so fighter planes, but he parked them all together because he was more concerned about sabotage. And during the time, I think like 40% of the Hawaiian Islands were, were, were former Japanese nationals. Uh, they were maybe yeah. American citizens or national citizens, but there was a lot of Japanese, indigenous Japanese people living in Hawaii at the time. Yeah, we mentioned that coming in, and the, then, then there was the Nevada, which had been hit by a torpedo, right. and it was able to get underway, and then they realized that if it blocked the channel, 
They'd never get anything done. I think that was the California. Too. No, it was, I could the, be wrong it was that, the Nevada. It was the Nevada. They beached themselves on the way okay. out. Well, the California also got and got underway, and uh, Nevada was a really old ship. That was more of a target ship and so forth. Um, but I believe the California also got underway and, and had to, you know, took, took some took some hits and, and took it out. So. All right. Thank you so much, Eric. Good. Okay, gentlemen. Thank you. Always enjoy the history lesson. Wonderful. Yep. Uh, very much enjoying this. One of our listeners sends us a note, says, uh, don't forget, President Roosevelt rounded up all Japanese Americans, putting them in concentration camps and stripped them of all their property. Yeah, that was one of the saddest parts of our history. Right. 1-800-795-9565. We're enjoying open phones right now. Bill, our next caller from Northumberland, PA. Good morning, sir. You are on the mark. Yeah, good morning, guys. I just want to bring up something that in today's things what goes on with the how the athletes take a knee for the national anthem everything. Have you ever watched the old uh, World War II movies about Pearl Harbor? You see them in the morning with the Japanese planes flying over, the band playing the national anthem, and they're still getting bombed, and they're still standing for the national anthem and saluting yeah. everything. Mm -hmm. That's how much they respected their country versus these idiots that take the knee now. That's to me. You can't ask for any more dedication to your country and what those men did. Yeah, one of my favorite movies is Torah, 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 which I think is historically extremely accurate. And they show that, and it's very moving just to watch it be recreated. Yes, and I mean, those those men earn our respect compared to these athletes and everything that take a knee. They, they're nothing compared to those men. Well, and I think uh, one of the things that our soldiers fought for from the Revolution on up, including in World War II, is to defend the U.S. as it stands, including free speech. So it's not an irony, but it's, you know, it's just a different attitude that, uh, you know, that is a form of free speech, this idea that, you know, we still have a lot to do in the U.S. and maybe progress hasn't been uh, fast enough in the mind of some. And so you take a need to during the national anthem but uh, it is those soldiers that protected the free speech and they were standing up for free speech you know certainly yeah. from the revolution on and not yeah. quite as much in world getting, war ii while getting bombed that's that's the bigger issue right yeah that's not an irony mm -hmm. that's just sheer bravery mm -hmm. so good for them mm -hmm. all right well thank yep. you bill yep good observation thank we, you sir we really appreciate it mm -hmm. thank appreciate you appreciate your call 1-800-795-9565 the telephone number you can email us at on the market with uh we have a re-elected senator in georgia rafael warnock re-elected by uh, not a massive margin or anything a lot of folks were saying in the in Actually, that's one the polls got fairly right. And right. The margin was about what they said it was going to be. Two percent or so. And I think, uh, yeah, it's interesting how folks are saying, well, this is a clear and obvious rebuke for the Republicans and everything they stand for. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's, what in what way? that's what EB says. One percent. <laughs> come on. That, that's hardly even, a, you know, some quirk in voting, you know, in one district could flip this the other way. But one of our listeners sent us a note about this, Joe, if you, you would be so kind. Yes, EB says, sanity has prevailed and Raphael Warnock has defeated Herschel Walker in the Georgia runoff election. Republicans must surely be upset that the deranged, incoherent, Trump-loving Walker lost. After all, he was an absentee father to multiple children, whom he fathered to several different women. He once held a gun to his wife's head, and he paid for multiple abortions. He is the very definition of good conservative values. E.B.'s ignoring the fact that there's no actual proof to this and that he 
denied it, so whatever. Uh, Walker's loss is further indication that voters are fed up with the whole MAGA agenda and the awful loathsome people who represent that detestable movement. These people were always figurative losers. Now they're becoming literal losers, too. E.B. is just so filled with the well, love of human rights. Well, but I think he has it right, or she has it right when she says it's an indication. It is just an indication, you know, that moves the needle a little bit away from the MAGA camp, but not really significantly. There's still a wide range of individual, and a third of Georgia is still very interested in President Trump and the MAGA name and all that it represents, no, regardless I, of his uh, I think that, standing today. I think that Trump here has suffered a pretty serious blow. Yeah, almost a 1% knockout And the point. fact that his his companies have been found guilty of uh, fraud in New York State and uh, before a court and apparently will be sentenced. Uh, you can't send a corporation to jail, but you can fine it a lot of money, and I suspect he'll get some serious fines for that. You know, you. I have said before, I don't. Th- I think the Republican Party, if they can find somebody that will carry on his policies and his values without his personality deficits, they'd have a winner. Well, and like I said before, you're, you're lucky in the Republican Party. You have a dozen individuals, at least, maybe more, maybe 20, who would be good presidential contenders that represent your ideals. You know, I may not agree with all those ideals, but I obviously recognize them as good presidential contenders. The Democrat doesn't have a 20-person bench. They don't have a 10-person bench. They don't? The Democrats don't have anybody who is a, vi- a viable, big name, you know, super candidate who, you know, there's no Ron DeSantis on the Democratic side, and certainly it isn't President Biden. So, and he's talking about, talking about, talking about run, run, yeah, run. Well, I don't so. think he's going to <laughs> maybe be able to do that, to no. be honest with you. I think that's pie in the sky. All right. Well, we will take more comers on this, uh, and uh, we are uh, very much interested in your help. Joe, you want to read this before we go? This well, it's is... a little hard to read. Oh, okay. Let's see. I Donald, Trump, Donald Trump says, a massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, and even those found in the Constitution. That's what he said. No, we don't tamper with the Constitution. Donald Trump was not suggesting Turn, uh, terminating the oh, Constitution, terminate. what he actually said was this. The decision, the election fraud of 2020 was so massive and of such magnitude that it canceled and it, it, it is thus allowed. thus allowed. Sorry, it's awfully hard to read this. It's small and it's black on white, or white on black, rather. The termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Nowhere did Donald Trump even remotely suggest coming away with the con- doing away with the Constitution. He was uh, defining yeah, how the massive fraud of the 2020 election negated the Constitution. But first of all, that assumes there was massive fraud in the 2020 election, which is something he has never proven to anyone's yeah, satisfaction. Is false. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five is our telephone number. We would love to hear from you. Uh, you can email us at on the mark at WKOK.com. I want to tell you about the Sunbury Motor Company. Oh, please do. I'll start out talking about one particular vehicle. I talked about the motorized Mustang yesterday with the V8 and that, uh, I'll call it the throaty roar. But let's talk about the one that just hums and doesn't <laughs> make any noise. Roar. Its only noise is tire noise, and that's the Ford Mustang Mach-E. Super loved by Consumer Reports. They loved a couple of things about it. One, which is the three mile range if you go easy on the gas with the extended battery. The other thing is that it is one of the best electric vehicles that's available in the world today, and there's quite a few out there. 
they're uh, charging it up. Of course, they are using the DC chargers that can get you up to about 80% battery in about a half an hour or so. So that's a fabulous way to go about it. Using just normal 220 electricity, it's an eight-hour charge. So that's the one you would probably most likely do at home. Or you can plug it into 110. And it's probably about 30 hours. Six, that's year, the, six years from now. <laughs> yes, that's it. You'll be able to take this car anywhere you want to after Christmas. But, uh, yeah, the way to go is to have a 220 hookup in your home uh, or at work uh, or a DC charger at work. And don't tell the boss. But in any event, the Ford Mustang Mach-E, fabulous vehicle, top rated by Consumer Reports. It is not the iconic muscle car Mustang, but it is faster because it's got four-wheel drive and all-wheel drive and wide tires. It actually zero to 60 and four seconds, and the V8 in the gas-powered Mustang is a little over five seconds, zero to 60. So how about that? It's even faster than that. And of course, a 10-year warranty on the battery, and just a fabulous, fabulous opportunity. Oh, one of our good listeners, hold on. Says, oh, 88 hours is the charge time on 110. Thank you. Yeah, that would be a long time. But uh, yeah, that would uh, change things. But yeah, got to use the 220, or yeah, 240, or the DC charge on that. And it's got everything you need to be safe. Lane departure warning. You can order one up. Uh, the 2023s might be one or two left on the allocation for the Sunbury Motor Company. If not, and there's got to be a 2024 Mustang Mach-E for you at the Sunbury Motor Company. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. I have a message on the screen there for you, Lena, when you get a free second. we got a couple of emails uh, pending, so we would love to hear from you. 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemark at wkok.com and text us at 70236. Dennis, the- uh, Dennis sent us what Trump actually said. I would like to tell you what Trump should have said. <laughs> Nothing. Okay. He should have just right. kept, his mouth, kept shut. his mouth shut. Well, I think a lot of it, too, is a dog whistle for his supporters that uh, this is their uh, cue to start to get ready for another insurrection. So that uh, because oh, we're going to need that. Well, he's telling them we're going to suspend the Constitution and take over the Capitol again. That's what I think it is. It's a dog whistle to tell them that we're getting close to that time. Wow. I, I just think he can't, you know, he just, he's delusional about the 2020 election, to be honest with you. I mean, there was there was no massive fraud that anybody could actually detect. Massive fraud. Now, stop and think about that. How would you hide massive fraud from people, you know? Well, you it's been Facebook. investigated. I mean, take little Fulton <laughs> County uh, allowed a forensic audit of its voting machines, and now it's in trouble with the state, but they didn't find anything in this forensic audit that they brought in. We use Facebook and the democratically controlled media to cover other things instead right. well, of the There was no fraud, fraud, but let's face it, the Democrats and the um, FBI did collude without a doubt, in my opinion, to make it harder for him to win election. Right. And obviously, Russia had a significant interest in the 2016 and 2020 elections. But did President Trump know about or deal with or uh, collude with them? You know, the answer seems to be But there are other outside interests. There are other outside interests that were probably working for him, too. So, I mean, you know, this is just the way the cookie crumbles, as they used to say. 
All right, one, go ahead and uh, read that there. All right, and then um, one of our emailers says, Trump picked 179 winners and 10 losers in this election. No other past president ever accomplished this. Senator Yaw suggested moving away from Trump. Pennsylvania shows total red, except for two areas on the map, Philly and Pittsburgh. Strange that PA and Arizona and several other swing states continue to have questions about the vote related to lax and changed voting practices. This attitude continues to disenfranchise many voters. Well, well, there's no doubt that what the Pennsylvania Secretary of State did in the la- in the 2020 election was wrong, you know. But was that fraud, or was it attempting to accommodate people during the pandemic? I mean, it was attempting to help Democrats and accommodate people during the pandemic. I think it had a dual benefit. Well, you know, but it did, also it also it allowed vote. other people to vote who maybe wouldn't have been able to some other way. Uh, but still, they shouldn't have changed the rules. It, it's like this argument about the. Uh, I loved it when they said that the uh, there was a story that I saw, and you probably ran it too, that the uh, people of color were more adversely impacted by having to have their dates and their times and their names on the front of their envelopes when they returned the ballot. You talk about low expectations. These poor people of color can't figure out the date something. Come on. That's stupid. How can people of color or be more adversely impacted by that than others? They're fully capable of reading the instructions, just like the white people are, just like the yellow people are, just like the red people are. I mean, if you can read, you can say that the, you can, you can tell that the thing says must be signed and dated. Well, and I think, uh, you know, I, I, I think that you might be right that there is, you know, maybe there isn't any disproportionate impact for blacks over others. But uh, at the same time, I, I will say, having filled out a couple of them, it's a little complicated to do it perfectly. I'll liken it again to the dough license applications where it's so difficult to do it perfectly and to get your dough licenses. After a while, you can get it down, but it's so easy to forget to sign the outside or to date it or to do something, you know, to not piece it together accurately. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. I think it disproportionately affects blacks. But anyway, back to the email that we received about President Trump. I think a lot of his endorsements were easy races that he knew the Republican and was going to win, so he did this to up his average. And, of course, by the time it was clear that Doug Mastriano was going to lose, he wouldn't campaign for him anymore. And he thought Dr. Oz was going to win. President Trump and I agreed that Dr. Oz was going to win, so he kept campaigning for him, but he wouldn't do so for Doug Mastriano because he knew that he was a loser. But, yeah, President Trump wisely picked winners in this case. Well, he case. didn't back away from Doug Mastriano. He didn't take his endorsement back. Right, and Mastriano's really the only person that he endorsed that lost majorly. He would not endorse individuals that was clear in polling initially that he was going to lose, so he hedged his bet. So, yeah, it's rated, I think, who your guy says, what, 179 out of 10 losses. Washington... No, 179 winners and 10 losses. That would be 189 endorsements, I would gather. Now, this is the Washington Post, so take that with a grain of salt. They say, in total, Trump's candidates won 224 of 241 primary races and 208 of 254 general election races. So he won far more than our good caller suggests there. About the same uh, proportion of winners and nots. But again, he's he's doing what he needs to to keep his average up. He's picking people that he knows are going to win races. Well, but on the other hand, his failures were rather spectacular ones. And I think Gene Yaw brought up a good point that, you know... He, 
first of all, the Republican Party, if they don't move away from Donald Trump, they're going to be stuck with his legacy. And what's his legacy? He wouldn't accept defeat. He maybe started an insurrection, or some people believe he started an insurrection on the Capitol and, and the Capitol on January 6th. He um, has business dealings that are questionable, uh, you know, and so he becomes the big distraction. If he weren't on the stage, I think Joe Biden's shortcomings and possible illegalities would be a lot easier to spotlight and to focus on. But Donald Trump is like the big fat piece of red meat in the center of the room, and the media, a pack of hungry dogs surrounding that meat, just can't stop gobbling it up. All right, 1-800-795-9565. Last call for listeners to call us. I was going to say last call for alcohol, but neither Joe or I really drink much of anything of that nature, so that won't help us. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. Uh, We are talking about President Trump's success rate, and Joe and uh, Senator Yabo said it's time for Pennsylvania to move away from the Trump influence. Yeah, I agree with Senator Yaw, and and I think even though he's concerned, I agree with him on a number of things, particularly things that relate to the environment and so on. And he's Senator Yaw is really just interested interested in good government and not excessive amounts of drama. And so I think that's why he thinks it's time to move away from President Trump. And fortunately, in Pennsylvania, we got some good Republicans in the state House and Senate. And of course, the Senate is still Republican. And looks like the House will go Democrat next year. So, but there's some good Democrats running things down there. Although they're kind of they look like the deer of the headlights. You know, it's like, oh, wait, we're in charge now? Uh-oh. We better come up with a plan. All right. 1-800-795-9565. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, Me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections? Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6. 30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the Mm. Mm. out of auto repair. I'm suffering right now, Joe. I know you are. Okay. <laughs> 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com and text us at 70236. Folks that said that President Trump wanted to throw out the uh, Constitution are wrong, and one of our listeners says these words, Joe, upper right-hand corner. Uh, the article, well-written, explains what Trump actually said. Every news media jumped on this with the wrong conclusion, including on the mark. Byron York, a well-renowned journalist, clearly makes the case for the truth. All right, yeah, President Trump didn't want to throw out the entire Constitution. Just, just the, the parts part that he feels the cost election. him the election. <laughs> the election, okay, gotcha, noted. All right, Harry, you're on the mark. I, uh, good morning, guys. I'd like to touch on something that I haven't heard a whole lot about, um, and, and it concerns me because it, it shows, once again, the uh, lack of backbone that our sniveling, spineless, lying chief executive has uh Remember when uh, Biden ran for president, one of the things that he talked about was what a rogue 
regime the Saudis were, and he would get to the bottom of the murder of the, and forgive me for butchering the name, the journalist Kajnowski. Khashoggi. Khashoggi. No, Khashoggi. Khashoggi. Mm-hmm. And uh, how he would uh, he would make them pay for this and bring them to punishment. <laughs> well, Oops. what was it, two months ago he went this bumped the prince uh, begging for oil after he cut our mm-hmm. production down like by, you know, 80 or 90 percent. And now yesterday there was a, uh, uh, a court in the one of the courts in D.C. The uh, there was a suit brought against uh, the crown prince by the fiance of Kaznagi, and it was dismissed because the Biden administration and Joe Biden in particular said because he is a head of state, he has diplomatic immunity as a head of state. So one more time, we are constantly bombarded with the fact that Trump only lied on days that ended in DAY, and yet Joe Biden, despite the fact that he only lies every time his mouth opens, is never <laughs> held to, uh, to task for any of this. And I'd just like to know why. Well, I think everybody has called attention to the irony. I, I'm not sure that maybe the mainstream media has, but no, they haven't. certainly any other commentator was aware of this, particularly when the visit was underway, uh, and it became ironically clear that the president wasn't there to rebuke him. He was there to beg for more oil at lower prices, and so uh, people immediately saw through that. Well, so I think they, it was covered a little bit. They say Trump was uh, I'm, Putin's I'm, I'm puppet. I'm talking about the visit. I'm talking about the fact that every Everything from the word go that he talked about has come back around to where he has once again capitulated to those who do not have our best interests at heart. And and I hold out to you that for all the things Donald Trump was or was not, and I'm not an apologist for Donald Trump, please don't misunderstand. There were many things he did that I liked. There were many times where I would have just taken his Twitter account and made sure he could never find it. But... <laughs> The other thing, the one thing is I always thought that he had the best interest of America at heart. I do not believe that Joe Biden could spell interest if you gave him the I, the N, T, E, R, and E. And and I don't think yes. that, that kowtowing and and not only not, not just going to beg for that oil, but to say that this rogue nation that I'm going to punish, oh, by the way, he's the head of state, so let's give him diplomatic immunity when there is a chance to punish him. Now... The people who defend Biden amaze me all the time because there's nothing to defend, and yet they still keep coming up there and propping him up. And I just hope that in our lifetime we can survive the next two years of his presidency. It'll be tough. And irritating, but it'll be good for on the mark. Well, you know, but, but doesn't it bother anybody though that there is no backbone to this administration? None. Well, you should just call him President Gumby. Look at what was going to happen. How he was going to bring Putin to his knees with these draconian uh, tariffs or things he was going to do because of the war in Ukraine. I mean, all he's done is wreck our economy. Yeah, the Russian economy is getting better and better yeah. because they are selling all that oil. Right. All of it. So, I mean, his, his, everything he's done has been ineffectual. And as someone said, I forget who it was, it was a Republican, I know, that Joe Biden's been on the wrong side of every major issue for the, all the years he's been in Congress. I mean, this is a guy who said that he was uh, a liaison with uh, Golda Meir in the Six-Day War. wasn't yeah. true. He was a, a Senate staffer. Hardly anybody even knew he was there. He met <laughs> and was arrested with Nelson Mandela, which he's told that story about ten times. It's never been true. Uh, he marched with the civil rights uh, activist in, in uh, Montgomery. 
wasn't there. Uh, but we never call him a liar. He was a, oh, you, oh, you forgot his appointment to the Naval Academy. Beep, didn't happen. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we never call him a liar. Why is that? Well, that's because we realize that he's just confused. <laughs> With President Trump, well, it was an outright deliberate lie. <laughs> Poor old Joe is just a little confused. But he's been confused for 50 years. True. I'm not going to argue that point Well, with it's you. worse lately, you got to admit. I, mean, I just think the people on the left make up, they, they, they see a lie when they see Donald Trump, but when they see Joe Biden, oh, the poor guy's just a little confused. And the funny thing, and the, the tough part about this is, you know, I think you can, you, there must be something good to say about President Biden. You know, I think he's shepherded some pretty good legislation through the Congress. Okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll give him that credit. But the fact is, now he's taking steps that will help him win the first primary when it comes time in 2024. <laughs> it's like, holy well, smokes, if, at least step down and you yeah, know, let somebody he, else run things. Any kind of viable candidate, we should just say the experiment has ended and end the republic. Because if he, is, <laughs> if he has any chance at all, we are doomed. Yeah, can you imagine Absolutely another Biden doomed. administration? Holy smokes. Before. Well, I can't imagine a Kamala Harris administration either. Well, so. yeah, that's not an <laughs> <my> ideal. <laughs> Get a real Democrat to run for president in 2024. Yeah, let's get Bernie Sanders back in the mix. <laughs> Thank you, Harry. Thanks, Harry. Hey, I'll see you Monday. You are coming in Monday, right? Yeah, but today's Wednesday. Oh, Why don't right. you come in tomorrow? Hey, I will be in tomorrow. Right. Thank you. Now who's the demented old <laughs> I, guy? I'm confused. <laughs> I'm not lying. I'm just confused. All right. Put your, get your computer back out. This is WKOK Sunbury. It's Wednesday.